great to be with all of you today. If you would grab your worship guide, turn to the center so that you could take some notes with us today. You'll also notice on the way in, you had a little card on your chair. It says, Asking for a Friend. That's the series we're in right now. And if you'd like to ask a question, you can ask anything you would like at the end of the service. We'll have an opportunity for you to drop that question in a bucket. And next week, my wife and I are going to sit up here and try and answer as many of them as possible. I will say to you that we do not believe we have all the answers. Will you serve? a God of the answer. We believe that where we have questions, the Bible really speaks to the issues in our lives. And so for the next few weeks and beginning last week, we're just coming to, to service and saying, hey, hey, if we could ask anything, what would we ask? And what would be God's answer to those questions? And last week we kicked off the series with asking for a friend, can you still have fun in church? Like, can, can you have a good time as a Christian? How many of y'all believe you can still laugh in church? Come on, how many of y'all believe you can still have a good time in church? We, we had a good time. We passed a good time last weekend is what we did. And so if you missed the message, that's available for you. And today we're jumping into part two of our series. And this message really has come out of looking at your questions that were asked over our Easter weekend. Every Easter, uh, every year we ask, hey, what would you like if you could choose the message? What would it be? And we collect all of those and compile your answers. And then also recently going through your prayer requests as as your pastor, I've been reading those, and there's just been an overwhelming uh, just request for prayer in a particular area, and today it leads us to our question. It's going to be a little bit deeper, a little bit more challenging, but I'm going to do the best I can to be life-giving and encouraging to you today. Here's the question for today's asking for a friend, and that is, can you, can you help me to overcome depression? Today in our society, there are so many people struggling with some level of discouragement or depression. Some of it has been diagnosed by a doctor, some of it has not, but so many of us are dealing with hardship. And if you just turn on the news at any moment, you'll see someone's lowest moment. And it's elevated to the local or national news. They're one of their hardest days. All of a sudden, we all have to look at and see. And it's created a cycle for many of us, and even for me, where I don't even want to turn on the news. How about you, right? It's just like every time you do, it's just it's like an overwhelming, it's just a downer to see so many people struggling. I want to define it for us today right at the beginning of the message, and I want you to open your heart to what God really wants to do, because I believe that if you open your heart, God will meet you today in a very special way. Depression, as defined very clearly today, is a, is a mood disorder characterized by extra sadness, uh, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, feelings of guilt, helplessness, and hopelessness. When you read that list and when I read that list, I said, well, gosh, that's, that's everybody. Like, it didn't leave anybody out. Every single one of us at some point in our lives has dealt with this issue. Statistically speaking, if you do any study, you'll find that it is the number one health issue in our nation right now. It's the number one health issue in our world. And currently, one out of nine people are living on some sort of antidepressant to deal with their situation. And one out of five have taken some sort of medication at some point in their lives. The challenge isn't the issue. The challenge is the stigma that surrounds it. The challenge is for our culture. So many of you walked in and said, man, I've got a cold. We're like, well, just don't cough on me. But when we say we're, we have mental illness of some sort, there's this misunderstanding of how we should engage and what it should look like and what should I say or not say. And so what we have done as a culture is just pretend it doesn't exist. 
We've tried to say, oh, that's someone else's problem. But here's the deal. I just read the, the, the stats to you. Every one of us is that person, knows that person, related to that person. It's all around us. And so what we have to do is we have to remove the stigma. Amen, everybody? Come on, can I get a better amen? amen? This is a place where you can be real. Listen, we're all about you putting on your Sunday best. I like coming to church looking good. How about you, right? I, I like that you brushed your teeth and put on a little cologne. Amen, everybody? I, I want you to come looking well, but I also want you to be real and honest. I don't want you to feel like you have to put on when you come in this room. I want you to say, no, 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 this is where I'm at. Because here, here's the deal. You need to understand your illness is not your identity. And it's okay not to be okay. I'm going to say it again, your, your illness and what you're walking through, every one of us has walked through some level of it at some point in our lives. It's not your identity, it's not who you are. And it's okay to walk in and say, you know what, I'm just, I'm not okay. And I want to encourage every one of you, we just launched small groups, and, and we're just kind of starting to build these new relationships, but I, I want to give you permission to walk in and say, you know what, I'm not okay. I've got issues and I'm working through some things, but, but here's the deal. God is faithful to, to show up when you're not okay and to help you provide a way out. He's faithful to get involved. Reality is, is that uh, unfortunately, depression in most of our lives is, is much, much accredited to our lifestyle. See, it's a, quite often a disease of lifestyle because of how we're living and how we're engaging with the world around us. Stephen Elardi, the author of The Depression Cure, said this, we were, you and I were never designed for sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast food, laden, sleep-deprived, frenzied pace of life. We were, we were never designed to run like we're running. And because we're living at the pace of, really, I think the enemy's plan to get us so busy that we miss God, they get us so busy that we missed our, miss out on the best of our kids' life and our family life. They get so frenzied that we're, we're missing out on the best that we just find ourselves down in life. Now, for me, I, I put together a list. I thought Dr. Stevens was good, but I, I've got a little list for you. I think this is some of where this depression and discouragement comes from. Write it down. Let me a couple of notes here. Uh, it's our cell phone and social media use right now. It's just crazy. We're, we're spending so much time uh, with, with a screen in front of us that, that when a person walks by, we're kind of startled by them, Right? <laughs> the screen is normal. The person, who are you? You know, like we've gotten so, so kind of used to it, and it's really not healthy for us. We're defining our lives by social media rather than by God. Here's the second I see is very prevalent in our culture today, and that is just a, a lack of identity. So many of us are trying to figure out who we are and what on earth we're here for and where we should go with our lives. And we're looking in social media places to find out what we're supposed to dress like and look like. And can I tell you, that's a dangerous world to be in. It seems like everyone has more money on social media than I do. Does that ever feel that way to you? <laughs> At least their wardrobe seems like they got more money. I'm like, did you steal that? Or did you? No, I'm just kidding. But we're, we're trying to find ourselves in a place that we were never intended to look for ourselves. We're trying to find ourselves rather than in the image of God. We're looking in the image of social media in our world. Uh, another area that we kind of creates depression in our lives is our inability to process pain. 
Again, we want you to put on the mask. You should pretend everything's okay, and you should smile when we walk by and be happy about life. You, you should always look like that perfect picture on social media. You should always be that. But in the process, what we're doing is we're pushing down our pain rather than actually opening ourselves up to healing. And can I just tell you, you, you can't hide cancer. It's going to show up. And you can't hide cancer if it's in your emotional life. You can't hide that. Eventually, at some point, things are going to begin to fall apart if you're unwilling to process that area of pain. And I think so many, so many young people today, we just don't even know how to overcome things. In our recent uh, financial depression that we had here, or we like to call it a recession a few years back, there, there were financial leaders who were jumping out of windows because they lost money. And I thought to myself, wow, I never saw money as an indicator on whether or not I would live my life or not. And the problem is, is they just didn't know how to, they didn't know how to deal with the failure and the loss because it quite often might have been the first time that they were dealing at that level. And so then their response was an overwhelming and exaggerated unhealthy response. It's, it's all in our culture. I got a couple of more for you. And this is one of my favorite uh, causes and that is peer-to-peer mentoring. This is the one that I, I find at times amusing, and I've got to be careful not to make too much light of this, but it's like a 17-year-old asking a 17-year-old what you should wear. Young lady, if you're trying to decide how modest you should be, asking a 17 or 18-year-old boy what modesty is, he doesn't even know. An 18-year-old boy's idea of modesty is less is more when it comes to clothing, y'all. <laughs> Some of y'all don't have young people. Listen, you got to find somebody who looks like where you're going, who's exampling away, because peer-to-peer is always going to lead you to trouble. It's good to have friends. I'm not saying no, but when you're trying to define who you are and where you're going to go, you need to find a mentor. You need to find a godly marriage to look like. You need to go- find a godly woman or man. Can I get a better amen in this place? Listen, don't make me amen myself, because I will, all right? I will do it. Uh, here's the reality in that peer-to-peer mentoring, it's, it's just, it gets crazy. The last is just our narcissistic culture, that everything is about our 15 minutes of fame. Everything's about our moment. And I mean, we, we are living in a selfie generation, are we not? I mean, I, again, I pick on it often around here, and I mean, you take 400 photos and pretend that that, that one that you posted is real life. And you have 399 that are proof that that one photo is not your real life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make some of y'all feel better, all right? If you saw my camera feed and the, the, the amount of time my children take pictures with my phone, it's their current, it's their current way of like tormenting their father. <laughs> I haven't figured out, I'm trying to figure out how to get rid of the phone option even when my phone is locked, so like the, 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 the camera option. Because they just get the camera, and then they just, they, they do things. And then I find it later. It's our culture. Listen, these are, these are realities for all of us we're dealing with. But there's another step that, unfortunately, so many people, when they get in this place of depression, they get to an unhealthy place, that they take it to the next level of suicide. Currently in our world, each year, there are about a million people who are committing suicide. There are about 40,000 people in America each year that commit suicide. That's double the murder rate, by the way. Currently, it is the number one killer of people 15 to 24. 
Why? Why? Well, I gave you some reasons. I gave you some reasons. That, that's some of the reasons why. But I need you to hear this today. If you're struggling with depression or anxiety or in any level of uh, how you might define it, that you need to hear this today. Suicide is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. And your current emotional state isn't the end. God is not going to leave you there. We're not going to leave you there. If you open up your heart, you don't have to stay there. Don't make a permanent decision based upon someone who left you or discarded you. Come on now, listen to I know it's, it's like one of those things, should I laugh, should I smile, should I clap? It's a heavy message, but here's the deal. We're all facing it, and I want to encourage you to, to recognize you, you don't have to die to end your pain. You don't have to. God is not going to leave you there. And I need you to hear this from the, from the bottom of my heart. If, if God is big enough to save you and to forgive you of sins and to send his son Jesus on your behalf, he is big enough to heal your emotional problems too. Amen. I know. So, so, so here's what happens in this moment. You, you see a guy like me who earned his shirt this morning, you know. Yes, I earned my own shirt, all right, some of you. Hopefully these pants still look good on me. We'll see. Uh, you see someone who has their life put together, and you do all those other things. You begin to measure, well, he seems like, and I don't, or she seems like, and I don't. And we begin to have all these conversations. I want you to know that there have been at least three times that I know are well documented in my own life where I struggle with a level of depression that was very real and overwhelming. The first came as a teenager. I, I started to like a beautiful blonde-haired girl, and I thought she liked me too, and then she dumped me for an older guy, and I just didn't know what to do with all the emotions. I had all these emotions. Some of y'all remember your first love? You're, you're there? I mean, it's when I created my first mixtape. How many of y'all remember your mixtape? <laughs> Come on. Little Brian Adams, you know, like, uh, I'm not going to sing it for you today, but... I'm trying to find a little laughter for some of you, but just some of you, that was the beginning of an unhealthy emotional cycle and how you engage with men and women. You were looking for love and you went to all the wrong places. Because there was a lack in your life, there was an issue in your life, and as a teenager, you begin to, to look at yourself based upon what people had done of you and said of you rather than what God did. Another for me was in my early 20s, Amber and I were just were recently married, and wow, if that wasn't enough change for her and I trying to figure out, well, like, when you look at personality profiles, we're like this, okay? We're, we're completely completely different. Where I'm loud, she's quiet. Where I want lots of people, she wants less people. I mean, just it doesn't matter what it is, we're different. And in the middle of that, we made this big move to take a job out of the state of Louisiana. And when I got there, the job didn't work out. And for two years, it was this process of discovering who I was supposed to be and how to put it together. And, and there were times like we just didn't even know what to say with one another. I want you to know it, it was at a level that was just overwhelming for me. Some of you would say, well, well Pastor, thanks for sharing that. That, that, was, that was 15 years ago. Can I, can I be frank with you today? The end of last summer, Amber and I had just, we had just done something really big we finally were able to purchase a home after moving back to New Orleans, and it was a big deal. And all of a sudden, everything felt settled. And then when everything felt settled, everything that I had been stuffing to the side came up at once. For about three months, while I was still preaching to you and loving you and leading you, I was meeting with our overseers and a counselor and walking through how, how do I process the loss of someone I loved? How do I process the loss of a home that burned down? 
How do you process these things? And today, I'm being very honest with you because I want you to know all through that time, I was able to give hope. Why? Because hope isn't based on me. Hope is based on him. Y'all follow me today? I'm not telling you to follow me. I'm telling you to follow him. And today, the message I have for you isn't a message for you to, to say, oh, that's, a, you, know, I, you know, downloaded that from all. No, no, no. No, this is what I have done in my own life to walk through seasons of depression, seasons where I felt overwhelmed. Last year, it was in this season that, that a, a young pastor came out of a sabbatical, and at the end of his sabbatical, he went back to work, and when he got back to work, it was so overwhelming to him, he took his own life. It made the national news, and it began to stir in me a desire, a desire to make sure that not only was I healthy, but you were healthy as well. And so I began to immerse myself, not only for my own health, but to make sure that I could, I could bring you a message that would help you to grow so that you would never be in that situation where you're leaving three young boys and a beautiful wife. So today, if you are considering or you've had thoughts about suicide, I want to encourage you to write this number down. It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And it's just the beginning place. Today, if you would tell me or show up in one of our small groups and say that you're considering these things, what I want to encourage you to do is to sit with the person and say, let's call together. Let's begin the journey together. For heaven's sakes, don't say I'm going to pray for you and walk away. The best time to stay with someone is when they're opening that level of pain up. Amen, everybody? And I want us to be a safe, I want us to be a safe community where this can, this can take place. I, I know it's a heavy beginning to a message, but it's very real. And today, what I would like to do is now turn your attention to the Bible. Because today, very, very clearly, I, I, I'm not a therapist. I am not a doctor. I, I am not a counselor. Around here, I like to refer to myself as a biblical coach. You remember playing football and baseball, you know? Run harder! <laughs> Round second! You know, like, I, I like to, if you come for counseling with me or to sit with me and talk, that's, uh, I'm not good at that. What I'm good at is kicking you and, no, you know, <laughs> just kidding. What I want you to understand is that I'm better at being a biblical coach Because I don't have the answers, but Jesus is a healer. And today, most of our modern approach to dealing with depression and anxiety, most of that is biblically based. They just tried to leave Jesus out of the equation. The practical things that they teach you are very biblically based. They've just tried to leave Jesus and God out of the equation. Today, I want to bring you back to Jesus and how God can be the answer. The book of Lamentations, chapter 3, is an entire book that's focused on one prophet's bad time. Here's how he describes his life. It says, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. All I can do is remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Psychologists would tell us that what Jeremiah is doing here is ruminating. It's much like a cow chewing the cud, and he's just rehearsing the negative thoughts and rehearsing the negative thoughts and rehearsing them, and all he can think about is the bad things. And So I want you to see that not only have I struggled and the people around you struggled, but men and women of God in the Bible have struggled with these issues. 
Listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1 and 8. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, One Hope Church, about the troubles we experienced in, in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Even the Apostle Paul went through a season where he thought, is this going to work out? We, we all, we all go through seasons where we're discouraged, some of our own making because of our lifestyle, some because of the reality of life and what people have done and the loss of loved ones. We're all going to be there one day. It's what are you going to do in the process? And today I want to help you to do that. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is a, a story of a great battle uh, against good and evil. This prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 19, he was, he was called upon to stand for God and against the prophets of Baal. And in the process, there was this great battle where they were going to fight one another and they were going to kind of battle. And so they decided to determine which God was the right God. Uh, they were going to build this massive fire and they were going to let the prophets of Baal come. And if they could call fire from heaven down to, to burn up the sacrifice, well, then they would be the true prophets of their God. And so there was this massive dancing. 450 prophets are dancing and singing and cutting and, and removing clothes. I mean, it's, it's a pretty graphic story, all right? You know how I always say around here, don't do drugs, read the Bible, okay? Like, it's a story. It's a story that's very, very, very graphic, they get to the end and nothing happens and Elijah the prophet walks up and he wants to prove that God is God, that Jesus is the son of God and in his context, Jehovah is the God we should follow. And to make his point, he says, I want you to dance the entire sacrifice with water. I want you to pour water over it all as if to double down to kind of say, watch this guys. And he prays to God the Father, and fire comes from heaven and consumes the offering in front of all the people. And that day, the, the people of Israel responded to God's answer by fire, and they destroyed all the prophets of Baal. They destroyed everything that had happened. How many of y'all know that would be a big day for Elijah? Come on, that's a big day where like, God was like, fire from heaven, you mess with me, all right? Like, that's, a, that's a serious moment. But, but instead of living on the high, this is what I think the enemy does a lot in our lives. As soon as we have a high, he tries to steal it and turn it into a low. And in chapter 19, verse 1, here's what happened. It says, now Ahab, the evil king, told Jezebel, the evil queen, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush and sat under it and prayed that he might die. He says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Isn't that how it goes? You, you win a great victory, and then you wake up in the morning remembering you're a normal person? Come on, you, 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 you sell the greatest you've ever sold, and then next week everybody's looking at you waiting for you to sell that much again? You're like, it's only happened to me once, you know, like I, I've only done it once so far. You got to give me some time to go for twice, but all, there's this expectation 
And for many of us, the high, high is followed by a low, low. In the story, we see Elijah doing four things. Jot them down with me. The first is he begins to allow faulty thinking into his life. He begins to think about what might happen. He forgets that God just delivered him, and he starts being afraid of Ahab and Jezebel. Now, if you know the story well, you know that Ahab and Jezebel had 450 prophets that were there, and God just delivered him. Don't you think if God did it then, he can do it again? Come on, if God has already saved you, will he not work in your life again? Can you look in your history and see the favor of God at some point? You certainly can. Listen, you're here still sucking air. Why? Because God still loves you. Because if he were done with you, you'd be toast, all right? Like, it would be over with. He's God. If he were done, you'd be done. He's not. He's incredibly gracious and loving. But man, we get on this wheel of faulty thinking, of negative things, and he went all of a sudden, he, 450 people dancing against him to two people, and he had more fear concerning the two than the 450. So what do we have to do? Philippians 4 gives us the prescription, says don't, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Why? Because you're going to remember what he's done. Then, when you remember what he's already done, then you experience God's peace right now, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, we get in this faulty thinking. We start ruminating chewing the cud of negative things that happened rather than reminding ourselves of the great things God did. Here's the second thing that Elijah did that I think this is our tendency is we get ourselves isolated. We just, we get to a place of isolation. Instead of engaging with people, we start pretending with people. Instead of telling people where we really are, we start hiding from them. And can I just tell you, listen, if you've got issues, you're only gonna find healing if you'll bring them to the light. You're only going to find success because you're, you're only as healthy as your secrets. And you're, going to have to, you're going to have to find somebody you trust. You know, praise God, you don't have to do it right here, right now in front of everybody. You're just going to find one godly man or woman and say, this is what I'm going through. Would you help me? See, this is so important. Elijah, he left his servant and he went off by himself. This is one of those areas that we have to be careful with. Can I just tell you, for me, Sunday mornings, it's, it's like a high. I love church. I love seeing you. I love preaching. This is one of the, the, the it's, it's, like, it's like the icing on the cake for me. All week, our team is working to put the cake together, and I get to come here and eat the icing with you, all right? I, I get to come be up. I love it, but can I tell you, there's moments where it's so good, and then tonight, I'll think about the one thing that I shouldn't have said. Or the one person who didn't like the one thing that happened. Does this happen to you? And then I'll, I'll be in that room watching that football game. Instead of watching the football game, I'm thinking and ruminating about the foolish thing. And so Amber and I have this, we kind of have this conversation that she needs to know when the low moments might happen most often. Why? So that we can protect one another, so that we can be there for one another, so we can, we can love one another in those moments because the last thing you need to be is alone when you're down. Amen. And so like we're, we're just very honest about it. You know, Sunday, Sunday afternoons, we're going to watch something together and do a little bit more. Amen, everybody? <laughs> I said I wasn't going to say that in the first service, and I said it again in this service. Would y'all pray for my wife? Let's go back to the Bible. That'll be better. 
Ecclesiastes 4 and 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Isolation is the quickest way to falling apart. Here's the third. Elijah began to be led by his feelings. He started allowing how he felt to determine where he was going to go rather than allowing truth to determine where he was going to go. And in our world today, listen, in our world today, you can eat bad pizza and have bad feelings. Listen, you can eat something and it changes the way you feel. And so we have to be careful. We're becoming so feelings-oriented about our lives. We need to be truth-oriented. We need to be principled in deciding where we're going to go. Because John 8.32 says, you'll know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. It's in the truth of God that we find our foundation. So we've got to dismiss sometimes those feelings. But we've got to bring those feelings to someone in truth. But we have to make sure that we're not letting feelings decide where we're going to go. Here's the last. Elijah started comparing himself to his ancestors. He said, man, I'm just, no, I'm just no better than my ancestors. My grandfather struggled with this. My, my dad struggled with this. This is just in my family. This is, this is who I'm going to be. He began to compare himself with the people before him and the people around him. And listen, comparison is never going to help you become uh, what God intended you to be. Depression is never going to help you, or comparison is never going to help you to overcome depression. You have to come back and say, who has God called me to be? In Galatians 1 and 10, it says, obviously, the Apostle Paul says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. I like how you said it. It's obvious. But I'm trying to win the approval of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. That's what he says. I, I, would, I wouldn't be here. And so, in the context, God shows up. And he begins to minister to Elijah. Elijah did all the wrong things in the moment, but God showed up. Today, if I could tell you at the heart of the message is, I know you have issues. I have them. We all do. The issue is whether or not you're allowing God in the middle of it. Or whether you're withdrawing and trying to do it all on your own. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 5, here's what Elijah did. He said he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. Some of y'all, that changed your life just to take a nap, Right? It will. Some of you, you got bad feelings, and what you need is a nap. That's what you need. My sister, when we were young, she used to just wake up, and she just, she did not like mornings. My dad used to say, just climb back in that bed and go back to sleep and come out the other side of it. You know, like (laughs) something about going back to sleep and getting out of the other side of the bed made things better. He fell asleep, and all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. How many of y'all like some hot bread right now, right? A little butter? Listen, I'm prescribing rest and bread right now. (laughs) Gave him a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. (laughs) He slept. He woke up, ate, and he slept some more tell you to change your life to sleep until you're finished change your life to rest in God 
And then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey. This life is too much for you on your own. The journey is too much. So he got up and he drank. It's too much for you to do on your own. You need God. So as we close today, very quickly, four things. What do you need to do? Number one, you need to get healthy physically. He said, I want you to sleep. I want you to eat. Listen, some of you need to go see your doctor. Can I just be that real with you? You need to sit down. It's what I do every year. Hey, is everything in order in my body so that what I'm feeling is lining up with where my body is? And if it's not, just listen to your doctor. Do the practical things. Get healthy physically. Psalm 127 and 2 says, In vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat, for God grants sleep to those he loves. If you can't sleep right now, then you need to get healthy. Secondly, I want you to pour your heart out to God. This is the processing where you begin to say, this is what I'm going through, God. This is what I'm going through, and I need your help, God. This is what prayer is supposed to be, where you are honest with God, and we're going to do it in just a moment. We're going to close our service, very, our service very differently today. We're going to close with an opportunity for you to pour it out to God in worship. Matthew 11 and 28, Amber quoted the verse in our time of worship. She said, come to me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You'll find rest. Here's the third thing that happened is he began to experience the power and the presence of God. If you read the story, Elijah was expecting the power and the presence of God to be the mountain shaking and the, and the crazy wind, but no, the Bible says that God spoke to him in a still, small voice. He began to speak to him in a voice that he could hear and God began to speak to his issue and begin to work in his life. Today, I want you to experience the power and the presence of God. As psalmist, the psalmist says in chapter 46, he says, be still and know that he's God. You, sometimes you just gotta stop and trust him. The last thing God said to him was, it's unique but powerful. He says, now, Elijah, go do the things I told you to do. You need to let God give you a new purpose and direction for your life. He says, Elijah, I want you to go find Elisha. I want you to find somebody to mentor, to pour your life into. And I want you to anoint this guy to be the next leader. And I want you to go. He says, Elijah, go back to being the prophet I called you to be. I want you to go back to do what God's called you to do. Today, I want you to hear this. Our goal for you is to not put you on a team for us, but to help you to discover what God has for you. Because when you're living out God's purpose for your life, you won't be depressed. You'll find fulfillment. You'll find joy. You'll find favor of God in your life. Amen. So we close today. Would you set your stuff to the side very quietly and stand with me? I want to read you our closing passage of Scripture. And as you know, around here, we always end on time. So we're going to close our service on time. We're going to close differently today and give you an opportunity to worship God, to pour your heart out to God. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul says. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all the mess of this world. So what do we do, church? What do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. This down moment is temporary. Temporary. 
This low moment is temporary. It's not the end of your life. What you're going through now is not the end. There's more. God has more. We set our eyes on what's eternal. We set our eyes on God. So as we prepare to worship, what you need is maybe not even to sing the words, but to pour your heart out to God. And listen, I want you to know one song and one message isn't going to fix it, but we can begin something today that will change the trajectory of your life. You can win. You can come out of this situation. Would you bow with me in prayer and then we're going to worship and I'm going to come back and close this out formally, but don't be in a rush. Stay in the moment with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person here. As we turn our hearts towards worship, God, we want to pour our hearts out to you. And we're asking that you would allow us to experience your power and your presence today as we worship. God, we pray that you would meet us. We pray that your presence would be real today. In Jesus' name, amen.